everyone. Welcome back to El Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 74. And I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. So, Leon, we have another week here mm-hmm. in March. That's right. So, uh, did you do anything exciting this week? Exciting? <laughs> Does it have to be exciting? I, I think so. I think for the listeners out there, mm. they probably want... Well, do you ever do anything exciting? <laughs> I just do what I do. Okay. And I hope it's interesting. But I did I did watch more movies. So I've just been focusing on things that I've, I've I remember from my youth thinking, you know, hey, I got to got to catch up on some of this stuff. And uh, some of these I've actually might have seen already, but I don't remember them like mm. or I don't remember the details. Wow, of. this gets complicated. I know. Now. So, one of the movies this week was Gremlins. The original uh, movie back in uh, 1984. Hmm. I'm sure there's some fans out there for that movie. Sure. It's it's beloved by many, I think. Um, to be honest, this was sort of a prelude to Gremlins 2, because I kind of... I, I do remember the original Gremlins. I remember seeing it in the theater. But uh, Gremlins 2 was very vague to me. So I sort of decided, rather than go watch just Gremlins 2... Let me re- let me f- refresh on Gremlins the original and then watch Gremlins two after that. I did the same thing for Ghostbusters. Like I didn't remember Ghostbusters two that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I ever did even see it, but I said let me at least I'll I'll, I'll watch the good one first mm-hmm. and then I'll get and then I'll go to Ghostbusters two. Um, so it's interesting just to see how the movies change from one to another. I I like to bunch them up like that. Um, and. From Gremlins, one of the interesting things about watching a lot of these 80s movies is a lot of the pop culture stuff that you see, like, um, peppered throughout these films, um, particularly as it relates to video games. The um, I, know, I know there was a scene in the movie where the the Mogwais, the, the, you know... The pre... Those are the good gremlins. gremlins. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were playing like a Coleco Donkey Kong machine oh, on yeah. a bed huh. on, on one scene. You know, the little the little tabletop that Coleco made. Oh, that's why that little toy comes with it. That little f- They made a little gremlin action figure mm-hmm. recently. And in the package, it came with a little tabletop uh-huh. video game. Yeah. And I was wondering what the reference was for that. Yeah. Because I haven't seen that movie since it was first in the theater. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's when they, when the original Gizmo Gremlin has, like, offspring, and, uh-huh. and they're all playing around in, in the kid's bedroom. Where did bedroom. they get the batteries from? Well, it's, you know, it's the kid's bedroom, so oh, he's got okay. oh, a lot so of just stuff flying toys, around. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a scene later in the movie where the evil Gremlins are playing a Star Wars arcade machine. They're mm-hmm. in a bar, and they're, like, you know, so playing. They, how do they get the height? Uh, they're all just, I guess, on a stool or something. Okay. They're all, the whole bunch of them were crowded around the screen. Um, I noticed a centipede machine in the background of the bar (laughs) during that scene as well. Um, the interesting thing was too, I noticed that during the credits, a lot, there were a lot of recognizable names in the movie that I had never associated with the film before. Like Gizmo's voice, for for example, was Howie Mandel. I never realized, wow. how, you know, that he actually oh, did the voice wow. for that. I never knew that. And now that I know that, it kind of, ru- it kind of ruins was it a little bit. Was that pre-St. Elsewhere for Howie Mandel? Uh, it must have been, right? In 1984? I, I don't know. St. Elsewhere was like 82, I think. He was still, like, he was still doing stand-up comedy back yeah, then. Yeah, he was. This was before uh, Bobby's World or that. Oh cartoon. yeah, uh huh. So, which you did before. pretty much the same voice, kind of. It's true, you know, yeah. if you really huh. look at it. 
Never knew that about him. Um, Frank Walker did did the evil yes. stripe. I did know that one in the movie, and mm-hmm. I and now that I know, and now that I realize that, I could kind of can kind of hear it <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Peter Cullen also did voices oh, wow. of okay. of the ran, you know random gremlin noises, um, as well as Michael Winslow of the master of sound effects. That's right. <laughs> so it was interesting, which was, which was also probably pre Police Academy. Uh, yeah, it feels like it was just right, right around that same time. I don't mm-hmm. know. When was the first Police Academy? Like, 83? I think maybe? around 83, probably. Yeah. 84, maybe. So he probably had some notoriety mm-hmm. from that. Um, and Gremlins 2 uh, was a bit of a different kind of a movie. Um, Hulk Hogan? He, he did have an appearance in that. Uh, that whole movie felt like a live-action cartoon. It feels mm-hmm. like they just went bananas with that. Um, and I guess it's a little kind of timely now, because in that movie was uh, kind of a boastful, like, real estate developer type personality is one of the characters in the movie. Uh, in the movie, the guy was called Daniel Clamp. So, uh, you know, certainly based on Donald Trump, it was very much a, really? a kind of a reference. That early on? He was around back then. Holy cow. Well, Gremlins 2 was a bit later. It was like 1990. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Some time had passed. Yeah. Um, you know, even one of the girls in the movie that he was seemed to show some interest in, her name was Marla, which, you know, hmm. that was Trump's, I think, second wife. I think Marla so. Marla Maples. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so familiar. So I don't even know if that was intentional or not. I'm, it probably was. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm just guessing. Uh, Christopher Lee was in that as well as a doctor catheter. Very, <laughs> very peculiar. <laughs> very peculiar name. Boy, oh boy. So that's just some of the stuff I watched. Um, you know, I watched... I watched Cobra, the Stallone movie, where basically Stallone is doing his version of Dirty Harry, basically. Mm. Um, mindless fun, but it, it ended with an overkill death scene, which is one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. where a guy is killed off, not in just one way, but two or three ways at the same time. Okay. <laughs> you know? So that's like a, kind of an action movie staple, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? I watched... Oh, I watched Dick Tracy. The film, the Warren Beatty, with Warren Beatty, Madonna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What you think of that one? Because I didn't care for that movie. I I uh, I kind of liked it more than I thought I would. I, I really didn't think I would like it that much. Uh, you know, like Warren Beatty didn't seem to be taking the role that seriously, even though I think it was something that he wanted to do for a long time. He was pushing to get this movie made, and I think he was even invested in the rights to the movie and, and so on. Um, but yeah. Al Pacino def- definitely took that movie away. I mean, he was the, the main villain, and he seemed to have a lot of fun. What was that, like 91 or something? Uh, that was 90 also. 90? Mm-hmm. Based on the hit Genesis game, right? <laughs> was that released? Did that come out? Or was the that same one time. Of- yeah, I think that was the time. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. At the time when the movie came out, it was not very appealing to me. I didn't I didn't know the character that well and I only knew it from just occasionally not reading it in the in the newspaper. Sunday, yeah, the Sunday comics. I'm like, "Oh, Dick Tracy next page." Next page, right? <laughs> you know, I was like not into it. Orphan at all. Annie, Dick Tracy, those right. are the ones I skip over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I didn't follow it. I didn't know what any of that stuff was about. But uh the movie was actually decent. I mean, I, if any if I was going to be critical of of it, I just there was just not a whole lot of action in it. A lot of dialogue and situations and stuff but the look they actually pulled it off pretty well i thought mm-hmm. production wise it looked looked good um so that was fine you know i just mm-hmm. wanted to know what that was all about okay 
let's see. Oh, I watched the movie called The Losers. And this was based on a Vertigo comic, of all things. Um, that one was a more recent offering. came out in 2010. Mm. And um, very similar setup to the A-Team kind of a thing. Like, mercenary team uh, is set up for something they didn't do, and now they have to get back at the people that set them up kind of a thing. Okay. Um, I don't know. Nothing Nothing particularly... Never heard of it. Yeah. Spectacular about it, but it was just okay. Was it in the... Like a nationwide theaters? Or? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Came out f- for a while. And the final film that, <laughs> that closed out the week for me was uh, something that I've seen many times, but this was an alternate cut of the film. I'm talking about Blade Runner. I knew you were going to say that. The final cut. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't see that version yet. Mm-hmm. Was it worth it? So this is basically... Uh, Sim, more similar to the director's cut of the film, but this was supposed to be like Ridley Scott's final take on this is the movie that I wanted it to be without any studio interference and without any changes and, and so on. Um, and it was good. It was great. It just confirmed that this is one of my favorite movies of all time, really. Just uh, the atmosphere of the film, is, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that movie. But I respect it. It's, mm-hmm. I can see why people like it. Yeah. Just never... You know, like some movies just don't resonate with you. Yeah. But it's one of those. But I like it. It it, uh, it feels like a world that you're just kind of... You just have a narrow window into this world. And mm-hmm. you can only imagine yeah. what else goes on there. But, um, yeah. Pretty... Uh, You'll have to check that good. out if they ever show that on like Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. So that's my movie week. <laughs> pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Did you manage to play any games or anything did you play games is the question well i guess sort of like how you watch your movies i sort of play my games <laughs> i jumped around on a bunch of things this week one game i went back to that i've been playing i don't know if i ever talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. but it's called raccoon it's on ios and if i didn't talk about it i couldn't remember like i tried looking through my list of games we talk about i couldn't find it but this game is is done in the retro style, like arcade. Looks like something from 1983. Mm-hmm. It's a, a vertical screen sort of thing, so you would have to hold your phone or your iPad, you know, in the portrait mode. And uh, it's like an action platformer. It reminds me a little bit of Kangaroo. Atari was that Atari game? Uh, or is that one of those weird Atari licensed kangaroo out? It was licensed from someone, I think. Like, like not Namco, maybe someone else. But mm. that style of like platform sort of simple graphics. Uh, it's it's okay. It's kind of fun. It's like twenty five or so levels. It's a little bit tricky because you can move left and right and jump, and that's all you can do. And you have to be like perfect timing on all your your moves so um i don't know it took me a while to get through it and i, I kind of put it aside for a while but finally got through it any any controller support on that no i wish it did because that probably was one of my complaints about it, is the control is a little tricky mm-hmm. um, and, and i don't know it's just because it's a game that requires really tight con- movements and sometimes i feel like it's hard to tap and move quickly like climb ladders and stuff with the with the little, like, on-screen touchpad on the glass. But, um, yeah, so I did that. And then uh, I downloaded... Not downloaded, but I, um, I tested out some of the new tracks on Rocket League. All oh, right, Because they have, like, a new feature now, right? 
Yeah, they added something called Rocket Labs. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I try to... Like I, I went away from Rocket League for like two weeks, and I th- and I sort of I felt like I got over it. But now that I put it on again, now I'm like playing it again every other day, you know. Of course. So now they added these like test, like sort of like beta tracks that you can kind of test out, and they're not in their main competition, but you can still pl- go online and play with other people. So there's one they it's called Utopia Retro, which is like a, a circular like a donut shape map mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's like there's a goal on like think of it as a clock i like the 12 o'clock hour there's like a goal left and right of either person but you're in this like loop and that one's based on the first game the first rocket league which is called supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars <laughs> one of those catchy names sure so they're starting to take some of their older assets from those games and testing them out in the new game there's also one called underpass which is this one has, like, elevated levels on the side. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, a little smaller goal now on both sides, but you also have, like, a ledge that you have to climb up with your car. So, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that one, but it's interesting. The, the ledge thing kind of slows me down a little bit. And then uh, there's also one called Double Goal, which is a regular arena. Your goal is... It, it sticks out. Instead of being, like, indented into the wall, it, it kind of, like sticks out into the play field and they can only store, score a goal from the left or the right not right. straight ahead mm-hmm. so it's, it's a little bit more trickier because you can't guard like both sides of your goal because there's two goals really yeah so it's interesting well yeah so instead of like a big open mouth yeah the goal is more like uh, like a pair of nostrils <laughs> okay <laughs> sure <laughs> that's how i see it all right <laughs> Yeah, I played a little bit of that too. Uh-huh. It's uh it's interesting. Yeah, like you said, some of the some of them are more fun than others. I don't know which one I really like the best out of any of them, but it's just cool to see them mixing it up a little bit, providing some variety rather than the usual rectangular field. Yeah, I think I still prefer the regular rectangular mm-hmm. action. But like yeah, but it's good to change off a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also checked out some updates on Pac-Man 256. Mm, our favorite. Our favorite. And that's <laughs> another one that I, I didn't want to burn out on that game. So I've, I haven't really played it much since the holidays, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know what prompted me to do this, but I noticed uh, there was like a sale on... I think you told me about it. There was a sale on the like the in-app purchase for the Continues. Yeah. It continues. Right. So it was, I don't know what it was, like $1.99 or something. Or 99 cents. I think it was two ninety nine. For the full unlock. Yeah, it was something cheap. Right. So I was like, why not? You know, so I just bought that. And and then I noticed... Oh, so what I did was I have a 20-inch 20 20-inch 20 Android tablet. Mm-hmm. So I figured, I wonder how the game looks on that. And also, it allowed me to plug in a fight stick, like a joystick, mm-hmm. to the Android tablet. So I was like, let me set up like a little sort of arcade Pac-Man sort of thing. Yeah. So I plugged in, and, and it's, oh, so I should say also my fight stick is modded to be four-way. It's mm-hmm. a four-way stick. So I plugged it in, I set it up, and when I downloaded it on the Android store, it prompted me for this new power-up called Beam, mm-hmm. which you don't seem to get if you're playing on the regular game. Like, it's only, like, on a new install, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think they call it, like, a, 
Almost like a welcome pack or welcome something. Welcome pack, yeah, that could be it. It comes with like a new skin for the game. I think it comes with some gold coins also, yeah. and then eight. Uh, I don't know what they call, it, but you can skip over your power ups on that weapon, mm-hmm. kind of like so you don't have to wait for it to power up. I but I did it up. I bought it on the iPad version because that's kind of the one I'm going for high school scores on. Mm-hmm. But I set up the the Android tablet, twenty inch screen, and you can do it vertical or horizontal, and I was playing around with that. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, a cool experience. I, I, I gave it a spin just to see how it is. Do you think it, it plays? So now you play that game on the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. You don't even use a controller, right? Uh, when I play it, I usually use my little like, little gamepad for the yeah. iPad uh-huh. or the Apple TV. But on the when I play it on Android, I use the controller, the joystick. Mm. So I'm not into the touchscreen that much. When you play it, you like the touchscreen. I, I'm fine with the touchscreen on that game. Uh, even though it's Pac-Man? Sure. Okay. Yeah, no problem at all, really. I find that it's very responsive. Yeah. So, there's no virtual uh, joystick controls. There's no, like, D-pad on the screen or anything like that that you have to try to tap on. or You know, that's, I feel like that's not a good solution for, for tablet gaming. But um, for that particular game, the entire surface is basically your controller. So you can swipe anywhere and it'll, it'll move in the direction you want it to go in. Mm. And I feel like it's, it's perfectly playable. I mean, I should probably maybe even demo it sometime. It's so, it's so quick and smooth that I didn't have any trouble getting a pretty good high score in yeah. with that method. All right. I mean, I, I could do it, but if I'm going for like a high scores, which I usually do, mm-hmm. I feel like I just do better with a joystick because I'm just used to it. Well, luckily, both options are available. Yeah, I know. That's the cool thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I also checked out this game on PS4. It's called Trackmania Turbo. Mm. And this one is in beta right now, but it's sort of weird. It comes out, by the time you listen to this, it should be out on the PSN store. Mm-hmm. And I've never played the Trackmania games before, so this was sort of like a brand new experience and you know I me mean, i don't like racing games right so but i it was free so i was like let me just give it a try you're on the you're it's a car racing game but you're on these like um sort of like if you ever played like race driving or hard driving that old game mm-hmm. like these weird ramps and it's like a stunt track i guess yeah i guess a stunt track would yeah that would probably make because you can do like loops and stuff also mm-hmm. and in this beta they give you four environments they give you like a roller coaster lagoon it's called international stadium uh, the canyon grand drift and down in dirty valley mm. so i don't know what this is like a sequel i believe and i don't know what or any of it references to the old game or not yeah but uh the one i played was all online so you start off on this track and you have like 30 cars playing at the same time as you but they're all ghost cars you don't have to worry about crashing into anyone they're just kind of like overlaid over your game too right. so it's just time trials yeah, it's just time trials. So you, mm. you want it, the goal is to try to get to the end of the track in the fastest time possible within five minutes. And so if you crash, you want to like reset your game as quick as possible and start over. Yeah, and then continue your time trial. And and then you just keep doing that over and over. And then like I think it auto generates new tracks hmm. like in the environment. So even though you might learn the track, like then it's, it's gone in five minutes. You got to play a new track. So I didn't play more than like two hours of it. So. I'm sure there's a lot more to this game that I don't know about, but hmm. that's just kind of what I got out of it. I don't know if it's a paid game or not, or if it's a free-to-play or something, but it's on PS4 and I, PC also. I, I didn't even know it was coming. Apparently, it's like got a, like a, a big following. It's like one of those... Yeah. Oh, you, so you have heard of it? I've so. heard of the series. Oh, okay. I just didn't know about this I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. 
And finally, I finally ripped the seal off of my Diablo 3 <laughs> on PS4. This is Diablo the Ultimate Evil Edition. Oh, perfect for you. <laughs> yeah. Because why? Because I'm Ultimate Evil? I, I didn't say that. Oh. I, I, I would never say such a thing. <laughs> You're implying it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Blizzard game. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So I haven't played any of the Diablo games before. Which is odd. Which is odd, right? Because you kind of like this genre of game. I, I do. I, I love those like loot collecting, hack and slash, yeah. top down sort of games. I've played almost all of them. Like, and that's like the major ones. I've played like Norath, uh, the series, the Baldur's Gate series, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance series. I should say. Oh, that's right. Cause because you said there is a different because Baldur's Gate proper is like oh, a different right. style of game. So, like, so a footnote to that: I, I was never a PC gamer. Yeah. So any of these games I've ever played were, were strictly console based. So if it wasn't on a console, mm-hmm. which is why I never played the Diablo series. Right. There was a Diablo one or two on PlayStation One. The first game, Diablo one, yeah, was on PlayStation. But the, the price on that was. I, I didn't know about it when it came out, but by the time I got into this whole genre of games, the price like skyrocketed on it. It was like $100 or something. I don't know why. I wouldn't pay that much for Even the Dark Alliance game and the Champions of North game, when I bought those, they were like 60 I think. They were kind of expensive. Even um, I think Dark Alliance was... I bought the Xbox One version, I believe. So that was the cheapest. That was mm-hmm. like 40 mm-hmm. So they're not cheap games, even on the aftermarket. People seem to like them. So, yeah. So they get some... Uh, or maybe they just weren't, you know, well-distributed when they came out. Uh-huh. But that could be, too, because, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's possible. All those all those things are a factor. Yeah. So, I don't know. This seems pretty good. Uh, I was pretty excited about it. it. Again, it's a top-down action RPG. Mm-hmm. And you start off with six characters you can choose from. And unlike some of the other games... Uh, you can choose the gender of the character, which I thought was kind of cool. You can also change the name. Like, it defaults. It gives you, like, this default name, but you can right. just erase it and create a new one. And then, um, the, the like, the classes for it are not really any of the classes I'm used to. Like, usually it's, like, a thief or a cleric, a paladin or something. Like, like yeah. I'm familiar with those terms. But this one, it was barbarian which, you know, I kind of know what a barbarian is. And then there's crusader, hmm. there's demon hunter, there's monk, witch doctor, and wizard. And, <laughs> and wizard makes sense. Like, I know what that is. Uh-huh. But the other ones, I never heard of, like, a class of... Right. So I had to, like, immediately go into, like, game facts and find out, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what, what is a demon hunter? Like, what is that? I mean, it gives you, like, a short description of, like... Sure. But, I don't know, to me, it wasn't enough information. So I did a little uh, research, and I narrowed it down to a few. I liked the witch doctor character mm-hmm. a lot, just because of the way he looked. He's holding, like, a voodoo doll in his hand or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. It just looked really neat. His main strength was lobbing, uh, throwing, like, grenades and explosives. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the specialty. And I'm not really into that type of weapons, I think. I don't know. Demon Hunter was also one that I thought looked really cool, like in the animation of the character. Mm-hmm. She has like two uh, handed weapons. Mm. She, I think she specializes in ranged combat mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. So I don't know. I ended up not chosen. I, I went with the monk character. Yeah. And that was because she has a healing ability as part of like her skill tree. 
Right. And I tend to go for that because I play these games solo a lot. Mm -hmm. And some of these games can be kind of tough on it because they're made for like multiplayer. And I don't always play like that. So it's good to have like someone where you can heal yourself. Well, I'm sure there's, um, there's characters that are better suited for multiplayer parties versus solo play you want right that's self-sustainable well like a ranged character would be good in a multiplayer because you can have one person meleeing mm-hmm. and then the other person right you know stands at a distance to sure. attack so this monk class it, ha- it does physical holy fire and lightning damage sort of like a little like magic attacks yeah so i don't know i'm not too thrilled about like how the the fighting is done mm-hmm. like I, I like the old style where you just have, have a big sword and you're just like swiping <laughs> away people well it sounds like the barbarian would be good for I, that yeah i know but the barbarian didn't have any of the the health things but what i didn't know so after i started playing it and it took like an hour or two before you start realizing these things a lot of the weapons and items you pick up have like uh passive effects on them like a helmet will have uh, like her health regeneration or a sword will have for every monster you kill, you'll get two life things back or something. Uh huh. Right. And I didn't know that beforehand and you end up getting a lot of them. Like I didn't think that would be such a common item to find, but mm-hmm. it kind of is. So maybe I should have picked a different character. I won't know, I guess until <laughs> I get really further into the game. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have the game too, and I, I do plan to dive into it at some point. And I'm a, uh, based on the character classes you described. I'm st- I'm not sure which one I would pick either. Uh, it, I think, you know, they give you those little descriptions when you first start picking your character, just to sort of give them some flavor. And maybe one style sounds like it would appeal to you more than another. But in the end, I'll, I, I do try to strip away a lot of that stuff and just focus on the mechanics and think about like, yeah, which one do I think will hold up better and, you know, solo play versus, you know, grouped or just mm-hmm. in general, you know, like what, what style do you like? Do you like something that's more magic based? Do you like something that's more, you know, rooted in weapons? And, uh, it, it really depends. It depends on what, what kind of style you like. And I don't know, I'm still, I still haven't picked what I would get as my main character to, to play through. And the other thing is you, you get followers too. And and maybe some of those can help make up for some of the abilities that your character has. Yeah, see, I didn't know about it. The game, that's one of my complaints. The game doesn't have any type of tutorial mm-hmm. or instructions. Right. So if you're unfamiliar with these type of games, mm-hmm. you're in, you're in a, like, a lot of trouble. You're not going to know what's <laughs> going on. Because they don't tell you anything. Well, it is Diablo 3. It's not uh, Beginner's Diablo. Or... Right. Right, but they don't give you an option <laughs> to go to Diablo 1. <laughs> that's true. But even, like, I mean, I, I've played, like, this style of game, and mm-hmm. I still was a little lost. Right. Other than the fact that I know, typically, the D-pad is assigned for, like, special weapons mm. and things like that. But the actual, how, what the forging of weapons do, and there's so much on it. I'll probably, as I get more into the game, I'll probably talk about it maybe in the next week or two. But I think, rather than give you a hard tutorial, I think what a lot of these games do is they let you, they let you just play them and... You know, you, you might go through some trial and error just trying to figure things out, but maybe it doesn't matter as much. Maybe that's just it. Maybe it's like it's mm. the game still kind of uh, it kind of eases you into it, so that your choices aren't super important up front. So, yeah, and, and maybe you know once you're more familiar with things, then you can make a more informed decision about how to how to play. It's possible. the uh, The fighting's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like a lock on system. 
So you don't, like, you really don't control the fighting in the game. You kind of sort of walk up to an enemy and just hold the button down. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just swings for you. Yeah. And as it defeats, because usually the monsters come in you in, like, little, like, hordes of, you know, groups of, like, eight or something. Mm-hmm. And it'll just automatically target the guys for you and just kill them. And you can kind of retarget who you're fighting if, like, there's a certain enemy you want to target. But it, otherwise, I kind of didn't need to do that so far. You just hold down the button and you're kind of just sitting there and waiting for everyone to die. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I like that too much. I like having a little bit more control over things. Yeah. And it's a little dark, too. You can adjust, like, the gamma. But um, I don't know. It seems a little dark. And your character gets lost. Like, when I played the other games, like, on the older consoles, they always gave you, like, a, a ring underneath your, your feet. It would be, like, a... Oh, to help you find your character better? Yeah, like, a blue ring or red or some, or sacred, like, one of those games. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a number over your head, just to indicate... And I, you might be able to add that in the options. I have to check. But yeah. I feel like that was really needed, because there's times where I was fighting guys, and I didn't know where my character was. <laughs> I just see, like, this big swarm of, like, people, like, fighting and... Explosions I'm, like, in there things. somewhere, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll, I just look at my health meter and wait for it. If I see the health meter going down, then I have to, like, sort of roll out of the way or something and find my character. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm not loving it so far, but it's only maybe 20% in. That's all I'm a minute. Mm-hmm. All right. I better hurry up and get mine going. I think you have time. <laughs> this seems like this could be a long game. I don't know. Yeah. I know people uh, played for a long time. It's funny because, like, most <laughs> games are... Your difficulty is, like, normal, medium, or hard or something, you know? Normal, normal, hard, or nasty, or something like that. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at the difficulty settings, and it's, like, normal... Uh, like, same thing, normal, like, medium, hardest, hardest, or hard, hardest. And then you flip to the next screen, and it's, like... Hard and then it's like extra hard, like difficulty one, two, three, four, and it's like three pages long of difficulties. <laughs> yeah, and like how and but they're all locked, so you have to like beat mm-hmm. the core game and then it'll unlock the next difficulty. Right, then beat that, and so this seems like if you really want to keep going, like you can play mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of hours. Sure, yeah, which I don't foresee myself doing that, but who knows? Who knows? So Depends if it, it takes yeah. off with you or not. But what about you? Did you play anything else this week? or? Well, just like I feel there are movies that have passed me by. I feel like there's also games that have passed me by. So that's why I'm digging into the archives yet again. And this time it's going to be Disney's Aladdin for the SNES. And I know that there's a version on the Genesis as well, that it's a different developer, different publisher, but I haven't played that one either. Um, so I'll get to that one. Yeah, that was almost a simultaneous release. Yeah, from what I understand. They came but out... different developers. It's very rare that you see something like that. Mm. So I'll check that out at some point. But for now, I played this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was from Capcom, uh, released in 1993. Good and year for games. There's quite a lot going yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to issue my standard disclaimer okay, as far as being that I'm not a hardcore Disney fan. Uh, I beg to differ. Uh, absolutely. Uh, indisputable. <laughs> you have a Mickey Mouse shirt on right now. Uh, I don't. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I've never watched Aladdin. I've never watched the original film. Don't know much about the story or the characters. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, all I know is there is this guy, Aladdin. He's got a monkey named Abu <laughs> mm. uh, who follows him around in this game. 
and I don't think he really does anything for Aladdin. I think he's Doesn't just he? there. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's there's plot-based reasons for why he's there, but in terms of the actual gameplay, I don't think he does anything for him. It's just kind of there as, like, you know, extra animation, I guess, just to make the game look cool. So, yeah, so I don't really have this uh, huge uh, affinity for Disney properties. I don't hate it or anything. I just It just doesn't have that magic for me that it seems to have for a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are really... Like the cartoons? Yeah, just the whole Disney thing. I'm the same way. I don't don't care for any of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know these are quality games, though. So that's the whole reason I wanted to play it. So you say. I I understand that that's the case. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to hear your... Because I didn't care for this game. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your spin on this was. All right. Well, a little background, I guess. The game is... um, you know, opens up in kind of a marketplace kind of a setting, like a sort of a Middle Eastern style of uh, look. You know, obviously it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer type game. Uh, your your controls are just, you know, left, right, down to duck. Um, you've got a jump button. You've got, uh, uh, which is, you know, the B button by default. Uh, you have the option to throw apples with the A button. That's your ranged offense ability. Don't the monkeys and kangaroo do that too? What what kangaroo? In, in the tar, in the Atari game I was oh. talking about. I think they throw apples at you. There's some apple action what, what in that game. What is this game. obsession with apples and throwing? I couldn't tell you. Okay. I guess it's considered safe. All right. It's a harmless uh, kind of a thing. So, you can also you also have the option to uh press the Y button to run faster and the last option you get, or the last control option, at least, is uh, you have a glide ability. With using the R button on the shoulder, uh, if Aladdin picks up uh, a white rug during his uh, adventure, he can he can glide. He can use it to kind of float across the screen. Uh, and that's pretty useful in a lot of scenarios. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of, you know, uh, fun platforming in the first stage. This is just kind of to get you familiar with the game. You're able to swing up on posts. Um, you're able to jump on the heads of people poking at, you know, poking their heads out the window to get up to higher areas in, in some spots. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of extra items if you're able to climb up to these uh, trickier platforms. Uh, for example, you might find a magic lamp for a one-up. Um, there's also uh, jars you can tip over, which may contain extra apples, or it might be like a loaf of bread to give you an extra heart of health on your uh, health bar um, or a roasted chicken for full health restore. Um, there's also red gems scattered throughout, which as far as I can tell, um, these are just kind of used to get different endings in the game. I couldn't really, I didn't notice any other purpose to them. I noticed that just, you know, there's a lot of green em- emeralds scattered throughout. And if you get a hundred of those, you'll get an extra heart. But uh, these these red gems are just usually in hard to find, hard to get pr- places, and they're just used to sort of um, you know at the end of the stage you're given a bar that shows how many of the red gems you collected, and um, I think it just affects the the ending for the game. Now occasionally there's also treasure chests, and uh, those could have extra items in them too. Sometimes they release this uh, golden scarab, so there's a little flying scarab that pops out, and if you're able to catch it. You'll get a bonus round at the end of the stage. And um, in that extra bonus round, you get a picture of the genie from Aladdin. And he, he, it says break time. And um, you spin a wheel. 
basically, for a chance to win something, something extra. Use of mode seven here, right? If uh, I remember correctly. I don't know. It's just a spinning wheel. Kind of looks like the big wheel of fortune style yeah, wheel. It? It's not done in that mode seven rotation. Uh, maybe. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. No? All right. Maybe. Maybe. I it don't is. know. It's been a long time since they played Hard that. To tell. Since ninety three was the last mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So I mean, on that wheel, you can win an extra one up or extra credits to be able to continue the game. Or you might get an extra health restore. Uh, as far as I can tell, there's no bad result on the wheel. Pretty much anything that you get is going to be beneficial in some way. Um, and so during this first stage, though, there's uh, very common enemies or these archers that can shoot up in an arc. And, um, you know, you have to dodge those arrows <laughs> to the best of your ability. And uh, enemies will also respawn off the screen. So as soon as you move off away from where that enemy was. If you end up moving back to that point, usually the enemy will respawn there. So after that bonus round that I got at the initial, at the end of the initial, uh, first stage, which I did cap happen to catch that scarab, uh, on the next area, there's just, there's guards that throw rolling barrels. And, uh, usually I can also kick them in the face by just catching the pole that's above them and kind of swing in place. Most of the enemies in this game can, dis- can be, dispatched by just doing that somersault move where you kind of jump into the air and land on their shoulders and then you kind of flip them over. And that's the typical attack uh, in this game. Uh, In the next area, there's a lot of rooftop climbing. Uh, I was able to get the red gem there in some spots. And um, you can also hang off of uh, ledges in in many cases. And that was necessary to get uh, all of the objectives there. Um, At the very end, there's a boss battle. Uh, There's a man who's kind of kind of hefty looking <laughs> very large man with a small fez on his head uh he has a sword and all i have to face him off with are a load of apples <laughs> as, as you point out beating this boss was pretty simple though all i had to do is wait for him to swing the sword get close enough to him so that he takes a swipe but uh as soon as he swings it i can just leap onto him onto his head and flip him a bunch of times and i think it only took about four times to, to defeat him and um, I was able to clear all of level one with all but one red gem missing. So I guess I started to screw up already right from the start. So I, as part of the story, as I understand it, you know, Aladdin is trying to um, be reunited with Jasmine, I guess the princess in this game. Um, it's very brief, though, and Aladdin is sent off to a dungeon, but he is freed by a strange old man uh, and is sent to the cavern, the cave of wonders. Uh, this is all told through cutscenes at the end of uh, the actual action in the game. Uh, also, at the end of a level, a password is displayed, which is four character portraits in a row. So you get a bunch of the different characters. You get Aladdin, you get um, Jafar, Jasmine, uh, the Sultan. These are all characters that are used to form the password string. Isn't it crazy we're still using a password system in 1993? Sure. What else can you do? It's I nuts. mean, because uh... PCs were still, you know, they were pretty much gaining momentum at that point. Well, PCs have. I know. Re- rewritable I'm just storage. <laughs> it just seems so archaic for. I mean, cartridges. So late on. I mean, that was. It doesn't seem that long ago. Mm-hmm. Well, cartridge games back then had the option for battery back saves, but there's a lot of extra costs associated with that. So yeah. I guess they try to avoid it. It's if they can, if they can keep using the password, they'll, they'll hang on to that, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, so the next area is called the Cave of Wonders. The funny thing I noticed after the cutscene had played out for the previous stage, the word action flashes on the screen. So I don't know if that's just to let me know that the cutscene is over, that it's more like, you know, it, it's sort of to signal to the player that control of the game has, you know, is back to you and, you know, it's time for you to, to continue playing. Or if it's more like, um, it's kind of treated like a film almost where the director yells action in order for the, the character to, you know, uh, the actor to perform his scenes. So I don't know if that's, a, that's just a way of kind of bringing the player into the movie a bit more into like sort of like the film role aspect of it. I don't know. Hard to tell. Uh, so this cave is full of bats and scorpions. Uh, there's stalactites that can be pulled into uh, spiky pits because there's like spiky pits everywhere naturally. And um, those can be used as safe platforms. And uh, they also act a bit like the poles from the marketplace stage where you can sort of vault over them. You don't really stand on them, but you can just kind of hop over them very quickly. And um, there's a big treasure room also where you have to uh, fight off like a skeleton and pairs of walking swords. And of course, you know, flipping onto them defeats them as well. So that seems to work <laughs> for pretty much everything in this game. So in the next stage, a magic carpet waves at you to, to kind of follow you into the next area. Do it. Never <laughs> listen to a magic carpet. You think that's bad advice? I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Well, guess what? The the monkey hops onto the magic carpet and it takes off. And now I'm just left behind to fend for myself. So I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess they're in cahoots or something. <laughs> Monkeys and carpets. You sure your character's not on something? <laughs> something sounds a little... I don't know what's popular over there. those apples that you're eating there. Mm -hmm. There must be something suspicious to it. Well, I'm left to navigate this this dangerous underground river. As a result, um, I have to hop between logs, and um, a lot of the red gems above are kind of hard to reach. There's one um, that's actually in a hidden area. I accidentally fell into a pit, and it turns out it was safe to go there because there was actually more treasure to find there, as well as um, a large heart uh, pickup that extends my life bar. Uh, I also find, um, you know, at the end of all this, uh, a magic lamp. But the monkey is trying to steal uh, a gem from uh, a statue that's in this stage. And the cavern, the whole cavern gets upset at this. The fact, you know, like Abu the monkey goes off and tries to deface a statue. So, you know, it gets horribly angry at us. <laughs> so now we have to escape this, uh, this cave. And it leads to an auto-scrolling escape sequence. Getting all the red gems here is going to be very tricky because this stage is scrawling along and I have to try to catch it before, um, you know, the end, before it moves behind me, basically. So the, the, the river that was below has now been replaced by uh, lava and there's large flume, you know, plumes of, of lava spewing upwards, flinging these rock platforms into the air. Uh, so it's a bit tricky and it's also followed by another auto scroll stage, but this time we're on the magic carpet. And we're avoiding uh, these falling rocks uh, and also trying to avoid crashing into the walls above and below. And meanwhile, there's like rolling waves of lava behind us as well. Once you get, manage to get out of that, the next stage is uh, inside the genie's lamp. Somehow we find the genie and he says, hey, you know, why don't you come into my lamp? Let me show you what the lamp is like. Very whimsical looking place. Most of the platforms are clouds that are held up by the genie's fingers. There's a lot of moving blocks to jump between with the genie's face on it. 
which changes expression whenever you, you land on top of I it. I remember this level looking pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also flying pots with bird feet sticking out of them that you can also hop onto and like use them to you know spring off of. There's a really challenging section where the genie appears dressed as a stage magician, which is kind of amusing because he's a genie, he's magical. Why does he need to dress as a yeah. magician? Now, now in the movie they had Robin Williams doing the voice of the genie. Are they sampling any of his voice for the game? No, there's no voice at all. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a limitation or not, but they choose mm-hmm. not to, to use that here. So it's kind of funny, though, that he creates a series of objects to get you across this big open chasm that you can't normally cross. It's going to be either a cloud, which will fall apart once you step on it. It could be a ring tied to a balloon that it can swing from. Or uh, a playing card to bounce off of. And the playing card is annoying because once you start, once you hit it, you're going to start bouncing on it. And sometimes the next platform hasn't been created yet. So you have to kind of stall and and try to stay on it without getting thrown off. But the next area features um, balloons with the genie's face on it. I guess he's really into self-promotion within the lamp. Everything looks like the genie Mm -hmm. here. The balloons are interesting. You can either bounce off the top of the balloon or you can swing uh, on the so off they, of the rope underneath. They pop when you bounce on them? They disappear? Uh, and... I think they might have. Yeah. Sounds like it. I usually went for the, the rope swing underneath. I found there was a little more time to, to get across that way. Uh, and the final lamp stage is really weird. It's a it starts off with a vertical climb through these sliding platforms that are formed by the genie's tongue rolling out of his face. So there's faces, genie faces on the sides of the walls. I think that's seen from the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he rolls his tongue out, and you'd use that to, to hop up to the, to the top. And uh, then there's a set of sinking boxes to get past. Once you hop on those, they start to fall. And some of the red gems here were really tough to get. Uh, I, I, think I, I don't think I got them all for this stage either. I think there must have been some hidden areas, too, because... I feel like the, there was probably more to the stage than I than I was able to see. So the next area actually is called the Pyramid. <laughs> After escaping the cave on the magic carpet, uh, the monkey blows off of the carpet. This is after the whole lamp stage. I have to rescue him from this pyramid that he's ended up in. This starts off with uh, these big stone cobra statues that are spilling sand out onto the platforms below. And uh, those platform, the, the sand acts almost like a conveyor belt. It's almost like, you know, there's resistance when you try to move against it. And then it also pushes you along if you're moving with it. But you can duck to sort of hold your position if you need to. And there's also these bat-like creatures that will pop out of the sand unexpectedly. I do have to use those to get up to the top of the cobra statues because a lot of the uh, hidden stuff in this level is up above their heads so you have to um definitely do some extra platforming here of course there's you know more spike pits this is a theme for this game <laughs> the next stage uh features a different kind of cobra head that uh i have to like th- that are kind of moving along on a track and those are uh used across those areas um there's a, there's a boss battle at the end of it where king tut's mask kind of drops down but it has a conspicuous kind of a tail behind it. So it t- only takes like one jump onto that mask to reveal that it's actually the monkey, Abu, 
uh, hmm. hiding under the mask. So monkey it's a, is trouble. Well, it's a bit of a fake boss battle. Like yeah. you think there's a boss battle, but actually it's just you know your pet monkey or whatever he is. <laughs> so it's a bit of a joke, I guess. So after rescuing Abu, there's a cutscene where the genie turns Aladdin into a prince so he can win the hand of the princess. Again, I don't know the story of the movie, so I'm not really sure. If this was an option, why he didn't just do this sooner? If this, this probably would have shortcutted a lot of this stuff out of it. But the next stage is a bonus phase of collecting gems on a flying carpet. And there's a lot of red gems scattered in through with along with the, the regular ones. So I just focus on grabbing those if I can. And uh, you're flying along on the carpet with, uh, with Jasmine. Uh, I arrive at some city to these fireworks. But, you know, naturally things don't stay happy for long. The lamp is stolen or something. And I don't know, something happens, I guess. And Aladdin must make his way through uh, the palace now. There's like a palace uh, area. This is Jafar's palace. And I start to see a lot of the previously encountered enemies here. There's a lot of archers. There's these guards that run at you, that try to grab you. Some of them throw swords. And curiously enough, I can actually vault off of the swords that are being thrown also. So that's kind of cool. Um, a lot of those flying pots are around. One of the red gems is very cleverly hidden behind one of the columns in the foreground. They use that old trick where there's columns in the foreground and then you kind of... Some of the action is behind that. So how do you get back there? Uh, can you change... There's no planes there's no planes, or? no. It's oh, okay, just, so like the parallax scrolling allows you to see yeah. what's behind it? You can. I can sort of see it. It's like sticking out a little bit, uh-huh. but it's kind of hidden. Okay. It's meant to be, you know, like, you're supposed to notice it, that it's there, to really get it. A lot more spike pits here, a lot of trapeze action to get across things. Um, next area does have some new enemies. There's these parrots that drop these rolling skulls. And there's also fire lanterns hanging from the walls. If you swing on them, they'll get you across, but then they drop down and there's, like, fire underneath. The stage after that has a pool of fire that goes up and down. Uh, it kind of rises and falls in like a steady rate. And obviously what you have to do is you have to run across when it's low and then get to a safe spot before it rises up again. And there's a couple of uh, moving platforms that can be switched by hanging off of a rope. It'll change the track and the direction of the platforms. Uh, I always like little puzzles like that. It just adds a little flavor to the action. Now, the, the there is a battle at the end. Obviously, this is Jafar's palace. So naturally, there's a battle with Jafar. Very typical boss fight. He sort of ho- hovers in the air and um, has a scepter that he plunges into the ground. And when it strikes, these electrical bolts will fire from the sides. And you have to jump up to avoid the, the bolts. And then you also use the scepter as a springboard to be able to jump up and hit, hit him on the top of the head. So that's pretty much how the fight proceeds. Uh, he'll occasionally also summon a swarm of those uh, those chicken feeded pots these these pots that float around mm-hmm. and um, you know I guess he'll also fire off some lightning strikes so pretty straightforward fight not not very complex uh, but I thought that would have been the end of it I thought that was the final ending but then it turns out there is another stage or another fight that follows and this one's actually labeled final battle. <laughs> So Jafar appears again, but he disappears immediately, and this large black and orange cobra appears instead, and uh, you have to fight on the back of the snake. The snake's body is actually wavy, and uh, you have to sort of be able to attack the cobra head, 
who is spitting out these eggs, or maybe they're rocks. I'm not really sure. They're kind of egg-shaped, though. I can bounce off of them to land on its head. And below the snake body, though, is a bed of flames. So as the, the snake's body goes up and down, it sort of exposes the flames. So you have to jump up to avoid the flames while you're also avoiding the eggs that he's spitting out at you. And also timing it to land on his head a bunch of times. I think it takes a, a few more hits to finish him off compared to the other boss fight in the game. But it's not too much trouble once you sort of nail the pattern down. He rises up one last time for a cheap hit when I finally finish him off before it goes to a cutscene where it sort of gives you the end of the story and he, you know, wishes himself to be a genie as his final wish. I guess he had captured the lamp and the genie owed him some wishes. So he, his final wish is to become a genie himself. But as soon as that happens, he gets sucked into the lamp and then that was kind of the end of it. And there's like a bunch more story stuff. I don't know if it matches what happens in the movie or not. Probably does. I forget. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that's how it ended, but I guess it does. Yeah. So during the credits, you get I get a lot of uh, scenes from the game. You know, like a lot of the scenes are recreated throughout the game that was just played. And I uh, ended up finishing with 65 of the red gems. And it turns out there's 70 in total. Uh, and I'm told, I am a great player. <laughs> that's what it says. But you could have been better. <laughs> could have been better because... Uh, as I understand it, if you get all 70, it says you are a super player. Aha, uh-huh, for Super Nintendo, right? <laughs> Probably. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, was this called Super Aladdin? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's just called Disney's just, Aladdin. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. It turns out also that if you get uh, 49, less than 49 gems, or 50, 49 or less, you get a different ending. You don't get the scenes from the game. You just oh, get a okay. carpet flight at the end. Huh. So that's the alternative endings. Um, so you went endings. back and... No, definitely not. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought the game was uh, kind of easy most of the time. It had pretty reasonable difficulty. I often complain about a lot of these older games that have just unfair kind of levels of difficulty. They're just arbitrarily hard for, I don't know, for whatever reason. I did get a bit of a Prince of Persia vibe with this game, not just because of the art style, but just the gameplay in general. Hmm. You know, a lot of swinging, a lot of edge climbing, and a lot of, you know, just uh, platform navigation kind of stuff. Um, I actually didn't use the apples all that much. I had collected, a, you know, however many apples I get throughout the gameplay. Because all the apple really does is it kind of temporarily stuns an enemy, but then they snap out of it. It doesn't really get rid of them. Uh, especially these archers. I mean, sometimes you can use it to kind of stun the archer so you can get close to him. But most of the time I found that it was more trouble to try to line up that shot than simply just time my jump the right way. I don't know. Overall, it was okay. It was fine. It was, uh, like many of these games, it's fairly short. Didn't didn't take all that much time to get through. So that game, is, I mean, that game, the movie, is known for its soundtrack, mm-hmm. like a lot of Disney movies. Right. How did do you think the music was done in this game? Um, I mean, it sounded good. It sounded like good quality. Any catchy tunes that you thought of? or uh, Not for me. Huh. Okay. I, I didn't think. I thought they were pretty generic for the most part. Interesting. I don't remember if they were... I would assume that the sound, the songs were... At least one of the songs had to be taken from the movie mm-hmm. for the game. Okay. I, I, I can't imagine that. They, they wrote a whole new soundtrack. Mm. I'm not sure about the history unusual. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the staff for this game, uh, I noticed uh, the the planner and designer of this game 
in the game is credited as Salary Man, which I guess a lot of them used pseudonyms or hidden names. Uh, it turns out that's Shinji Mikami, who also did uh, the basically he was the director and creator of the Resident Evil series. So would you track this guy down, Salary Man? That's his name. That's the name that he used. Hmm. Well, that was the credit on on uh, Moby Games, which I oh, often okay. will look up. Uh, I didn't know that. The uh, the history on some of the people that worked on this game. He also did Goof Troop, <laughs> incidentally. Goof Troop, the game. That was another uh, Super Nintendo title. Excellent. Okay. But interestingly, that he, that he basically went on to become a big horror game guy. Yeah. You know, that's... Well, I would probably, too, if I had to work on some of these. Uh-huh. Well, salary man is, is a term that's often used in... In Japanese business, it's just it's just meant to be like an, a white collar office worker type person who slaves away at his, at his job, and hmm. you know he's usually not as well rewarded as he could be. <laughs> so I don't know if that was a commentary on his part about his role at <laughs> Capcom. Yeah. I don't know. Um, incidentally, the game was also ported to uh, Game Boy Advance in 2004, and from what I've seen, it looks more or less like the same game. It doesn't look like they really changed a whole lot. Same layout, same level design. Hmm. So it looked to be pretty much the same. What about the Game Boy version? I think that was a different game. Okay. wasn't based on this one. Mm-hmm. I know there was an NES version as well. There was, yeah. Um, but again, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's similar enough. There is a PC version. There is a VTech version. There's a lot of games out there. And there's the Genesis and Sega Master System version. And there might be others too. Mm-hmm. So no surprise that... There's many versions of Disney games. Yes. Of, of a particular Disney property. Um, I checked eBay for copies of this game just to see what they're going for. And it looks like it's a pretty common game. You can get a loose version of this cartridge for as cheap as $5. It seems pretty typical. And complete copies start around 25 or so. Complete in box. So not a hard one to get if that's something you're looking for. And, of course, the GBA version is available as an alternative. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I will try the Genesis version next, just to see how it compares. All right. So, what about any uh, pickups, interesting items this week found? I got a couple of things. Yeah. I don't know if it's interesting or not, but I did get a couple of the new Earth Defense Force games. You're familiar with these games? Yeah. Fighting Bugs. Am. Shooting bugs, but they're giant bugs. They're really big bugs. I don't like big bugs. <laughs> That's why you have to defend the earth against them. Uh, I saw a couple of sales this week at GameStop. EDF2 for Vita was on sale for $15 new. So I thought that was uh, pretty good, considering game was normally 30 So grab that. As well as... The PlayStation 4 game that came out, which was Earth Defense Force 4.1. Oh. And I didn't get that one yet. Not yet, right? No, I'm waiting for a sale. Uh, I think it was down to 25 for a new copy. But, um, or is it, actually, I'm sorry, I think it was 29.99 for a new copy. And then twenty four ninety nine for a used copy, mm. so that's what I ended up grabbing. I found it used. What it used? Uh, it got. It was down to twenty two forty nine after my discount. So. Still, why would you buy used? <laughs> a couple of dollars more, you get a brand new case. 
It looked it looked mint. I, I I looked at it first, and there was just nothing wrong with it. It was perfectly clean. They scammed you. <laughs> Maybe they scammed the guy who sold it back. But I thought it was fair you enough. Paid full price for a used game. It's almost full price. Less than full price. I can't believe it. How much is a how much of a discount do you need for a used game? To me, that extra five or six dollars was worth it for the wrapper and to know that it's out of the factory into mm-hmm. my hands. I agree. Most of the time, I would agree. I I bought the video game new for some reason. The used right, one. You could have bought that one used. The used one was only like uh, like a dollar fifty less. So I know exactly. Ridiculous. Exactly. But eight dollars was enough of a reason. I, you know, I have it on Xbox 360, mm-hmm. whatever the last one was. Yeah. And I never played it. It's still in the wrapper. But then they announced the PlayStation 4 version. So then I waited until that came out. But I don't want to spend full price on it. So Right. I'm waiting. I think full price is 50 but I'm waiting for like a little bit cheaper before. Well, it is twenty nine ninety nine if you wanted to get it new. A little bit cheaper. <laughs> a little bit less for you? Okay. I still... Well, only because I already spent... I think I, I spent like 30 on the other one for yeah. Xbox. And they said the PlayStation 4 version runs at thir- maybe 30 frames per second. Mm. I don't even know. If, maybe 60? But I know like the Xbox 360 version had major frame rate issues. Right. right. And that's why I, I didn't get into it yet. Yeah, apparently that version struggled a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, the other ones weren't that great either with frame rates, but they were fine, playable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't know. I might as well get wait for the PS4 version. Like one twenty. That would be my the golden price point for me. Okay. Fair enough. I think it shouldn't be too much longer. It'll probably continue to drop. With my luck, it'll probably be gone from the stores and the price will be like 80 in like a month. That always seems to happen to me. Uh Uh-huh. Well, if that happens, you could always borrow my copy. Well, can't promise you getting it back, so (laughs) you might want to rethink that one. (laughs) Proceed at your own risk, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Well... How about then we talk about what's happening in the news? We can talk about cross-play coming to uh, the Xbox One. Apparently that's been making some news. And of course the first thing, first game to get this feature was going to be uh, Rocket League, one of our favorites. And you know, Rocket League recently came out for the Xbox One for the first time. It hadn't been on up to this point. Uh, but initially... Xbox One players could only play with other Xbox players. There was no uh, cross-platform feature. The version that's out for PC and PS4, those can uh, talk to each other. So now we have word that Xbox One will be able to play cross-play with PC as well. But the question that that leads to is, does that mean that Xbox players will be able to play against PC uh, rather against PlayStation players in the same match. So the answer is what? No, right? For as now. of now, <laughs> as of now, the answer is no. No, but they did reach out to Sony about that and see what their opinion was. Uh, I don't know that they reached out so much as they just put it out into the public as a question of. They were just like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if they really committed to it or uh-huh. not. It sounds like Microsoft is open to the idea that they are willing to allow their games to be able to be cross-compatible or cross-multiplayer. Uh, well, they're, they're looking for any way they can expand their audience mm-hmm. and, and sell some consoles. Right. So if it means opening things up you know, for cross-play and even getting some of the PS4 players involved, even better. See, the, I think this 
sort of eliminates, like a lot of times you buy games and, you know, like say for instance, you have Diablo on Xbox or something and I have it on PS4 and we wanted to play together. Right. You know, and maybe if I would have known, I would buy like the Xbox version so we can both play, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, this could change a lot of things if... If now you don't have to worry about, you know, what system your friend's playing on, then, you know, it's even better. Yeah. It's just more possibilities. Well, I think I think Sony has given some, thing, some hints as to which way they're leaning on this. Yeah, what'd they say? And they say, you know, naturally, of course, they say, oh, yeah, we've been doing this kind of thing for a while now. We've had, we've had PS3 players that are able to play with PC players, and we've had PS4 as well with... You know, they give the example of Rocket League and, and Street Fighter Five and, and so on. You know, they just say that this is already kind of established. We're kind of already doing this. You yeah. know, kind of jabbing Microsoft <laughs> a little bit. Uh, maybe, uh, but you know, they say that you know it's easy to make it happen with the PC because the PC is very much an open platform, and you know whatever you want to enable, you're free to do so. But he says connecting to closed networks such as PlayStation Network and Xbox Live is trickier and more challenging and um they don't even necessarily pin it down to any specific technical issue or not they just say that you know business wise or logistically there's like we might have one set of policies that are different from what what their policies are like and they say that those kind of differences might make joining um players together across mm -hmm. those networks more challenging so i think it's a way for him to just sort of say you know, is there any compelling business reason for us to want to allow this? You know, like maybe uh, they don't see the value in, in that quite yet. Other than, you know, obviously it's good for players everywhere. If anybody could join anybody's game, that kind of a thing. What that You know, the less walls there are between game players, the better, right, mm -hmm. in general. But um, I think they're just kind of taking a wait-and-see attitude. And, you know, if if the... Uh, yeah. climate allows it to happen kind of a thing. I'm sure it's more work for the developers to do. Uh, maybe. I think it's kind of up to the developers to enable that kind of play for their individual games. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be any kind of universal connector between PlayStation and Xbox. I think it's going to be more of a game-by-game -game basis. Yeah. yeah. Can you, like, how would you get... How would you have access to, like, Xbox's friends list, right? Right, sure. That would be weird. Uh, through through a PlayStation. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of a, a thing. Like, unless it just happens in game and you don't even think about it. The way the way I would expect it to work is that the PC is going to be the the kind of the middle ground. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe PS4 and Xbox won't talk to each other directly, but maybe PlayStation will talk to PC, and then Xbox will also talk to PC. And PC will kind of be the the where you know the lobby where the two external networks can meet, um, you know, kind of neutral ground, you know, between the two camps. Um, the way it works in Rocket League now, you know, it's kind of transparent. You don't really you don't really see a difference between PC players and PS4 players. No. You just join a game the same way, and I think you join a game the same way on on both platforms. Either either way, you can even toggle that off if you want. You can restrict League. it. If you, you just can, want to play with strictly PS4 players? Yeah, if you had some reason to want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, because we're all cheating, that's why. <laughs> the game probably... PC Master Race. I know, you, I know you think that. 
Um, you probably can't message people on, on PC, right? Like if somebody joins your Rocket League game and you want to send them a message, I think there isn't any way yeah, within the game. In, yeah, unless like the in-game had a message feature to it. Mm-hmm. But there'd be no other way. Because... Right. Like if I go into my PlayStation um, multiplayer like thing, my profile, right, and see like it shows the... you a list of here's all the players you met playing uh, this not game. Show you everyone because probably doesn't show you PC people mm-hmm. because how is there? There's no social connector to talk to them. Mm-hmm. It's true. So it'll probably be the same aspect for for Xbox people. You probably wouldn't see that, and, and the same would happen from the other end too. They would have to be some kind of common framework for them to be able to work with each other. Uh, but I can imagine it's going to happen clo- more and more. And, you know, if developers are willing to do the extra work to make it happen, if they think it's within their interest to do so, then then we might see that. The merging of all the consoles. <laughs> we, are, we are eventually moving towards that one console future, That's right? right? It's always been the dream. It's always been, you know the way to stop all of these hardware wars and just have like one platform that everybody writes their games for. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You don't because want it to happen though. Cause you want competition. I think competition is good. And at the same time, who's going to, who's going to declare the ceasefire and how are you going to get everyone to agree to it? Because ultimately there's when, always going to be some company that says I can do this better or they see a money opportunity and say, you know, like we want to, we want to put our thing out there to compete with what's right. I think it comes down to money because as soon as they see that consoles aren't profitable any, anymore, and then they're going to say, "All right, we're done." Maybe I could that could be a factor too. I'm curious to see if this plays out uh, any further, other than just you know, kind of a hint mm-hmm. of what's to come. But do they say that Xbox uh, that um, Rocket League patch? went into effect yet that allows you to play xbox with pc or um i don't know if that's, that's quite happening that yet okay yeah i think it's coming soon mm-hmm. um i i guess also related to this whole idea of you know maybe there's business reasons why they might not want to allow this um we know that in within rocket league there are some platform specific exclusives right where you've got for example, uh, Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal, a Sony game, a Sony exclusive game is in Rocket League as yes. a, as an unlockable vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, uh, and also on the Xbox version of the game, we know that there's Halo vehicles in the game. Exclusive to that. <laughs> exclusive to that version mm-hmm. of, of the game. So now if these players can intermingle and play the same matches, what happens to those vehicles? Are... Are Halo vehicles going to show up on a I PlayStation? Guess so. I guess it's in the code of the game. So, but are they willing to allow it? Are they willing to say, you know, oh, like is Sony willing to? I, I guess so because they've already done it. Uh, if you're in a PC and you're playing mm-hmm. someone on, on the PS4 who has right, you know, the ice cream truck from Twisted Metal unlocked, mm-hmm. they're going to see that character. They it's can't true. play as that character, but. They'll see it, right? Yeah, they'll see but, it. But they don't have the chance to unlock it no, for themselves. No, it doesn't even show up as... I, th- I think it doesn't show up on mm-hmm. like your I, your character select screen. Right. But I, I, again, this is a situation where I think they view the, the, the PC as like a neutral platform. You know, there's no harm in kind of advertising the PlayStation brand to PC players. But meanwhile, the Xbox is considered kind of a rival platform. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Microsoft might view it as, you know, hey... Halo is a reason for people to buy an Xbox and you know this is something that we give to our players as a perk because 
you know, you're on, you're on a, a Microsoft platform. So maybe they don't want Halo vehicles appearing on a PlayStation played game, you know, maybe that's, right. maybe that's kind I mean, of a thing. It's almost that like if Street Fighter was all three consoles and they added like Crash Bandicoot, you know, as one of the characters <laughs> right. and then like Battletoads is one of the other characters, uh-huh. you know? Sure. You had this weird crossover game. Mm-hmm. That happened with some game. It wasn't a crossover, but they did have some platform specific exclusives with, uh, I think it was Soul Calibur 2 or something. Mm. On, uh, like on Xbox, had like uh, its own character, and then like the GameCube version had Link as a playable character. Okay, I remember that, yeah. Was it 2 or 3? I forget which I don't one know, it was. But that was on the Wii, wasn't it? It was, it was the GameCube era. So it was. GameCube had Link as a playable character, and then original Xbox oh. had Spawn as a playable character, oh, okay. and then PlayStation had uh, somebody else. I forget who. Some some other character in there. Yeah. Anyway, each version had its own <laughs> character. The plane from Warhawk. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot who it was. Wow, I can't believe I can't remember it. I used to know it pretty well. I think Sega dropped the ball on the Daytona car fighter. They should have done something with that. Like, it was in one of the games. An action platformer where you play as the car. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they'll bring him back or something. So in any case, uh, that's going to be an ongoing thing. We'll, we'll be sure to keep an eye on that story. Yeah, we'll see E3. Maybe we'll talk about it. Right. Any feedback this week? Mm. I think we did have some feedback. Uh, Greg Pollander uh, commented on... The Star Wars Return of the Jedi arcade game that we discussed. Yeah. Uh, He says, glad to hear Leon still plugging away at Star Wars games. Wow. I'm glad that someone is entertained by this nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, thanks for humoring me (laughs) in continuing to play these games. Um, He says he remembers playing Return of the Jedi in the arcade a couple of times when it was new. But didn't really get into it until it was included in the Rogue Squadron game as an unlockable, along with the other Atari arcade games. I didn't know that was uh, an option, even. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if... I, what is that on, again? Rogue Squadron? GameCube? GameCube. I think mm. I have that. Do I have that? I don't know. I have to check. I might. Yeah, we should check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's a fun game. Not as good as Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back, but a nice challenge. He also suggests uh, you should look at Sega's arcade game Star Wars Trilogy next. There's an emulator for that that allows the game to run almost perfectly. And I think uh, we, we did get turned on to that. Mm-hmm. Might, might actually be able to get that as well. Um, he also says to answer your question about vector games. They were on the way out by 1984. Too many problems with the technology, such as monitors burning out. One of them was notorious for blowing up. Sounds like a good thing you want to happen when you're playing a game. Sure. <laughs> also, too expensive to buy and maintain, and the overall decline of the industry. So, so when, when it blows up, do you get blasted with those electrons or whatever, photons or whatever shoots out? Uh, if it's a movie, probably you'll see some special effects like that. Yeah. If, you know, if in real life, I, I, I don't think that'll happen. Mm. Probably safe from that. Uh, Laserdisc games died for the same reason. So, yeah, the Laserdisc players were prone to breaking down eventually a lot of moving parts yeah i think they use phosphor in vector screens Mm -hmm. i think it's a little bit different than crt 
It's because of that glow, maybe? I don't know. Don't know mm. about the process. We're going to break one open. <laughs> you can do that. I want to know. I'm sure YouTube, there's somewhere I can watch mm-hmm. someone breaking open a, a vector graphics tube. Or a uh, or a Vectrex, perhaps an I hope, autopsy. I hope not. Oh, an autopsy on the on a Vectrex. Yeah, yeah. I should have done that with. That's been done, I think. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube that. <laughs> All right. I think we had maybe another comment. Yeah, there's one last one from Greg again. He says, uh, in response to what Stephanie said, I have glasses also, and I can use the 3D glasses at an IMAX theater just fine. There's one local to me here at the mall, and anytime I go to try to see the movies on the IMAX screen with or without 3D. Some movies you notice more 3D than others. The last one I saw at the IMAX was Star Wars Force Awakens. Mm. So I was asking him if he had a choice, regardless of price, between 3D and standard, would you go to see a 3D version of the film or, um, you know... What was your what was your preference? Right, and he felt like he would pay the extra money to see the movie for in IMAX on mm-hmm. 3D. He said, "Thinks it's worth it." Uh-huh. So I was wondering what you thought because, you know, I think you know my opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> like I think you kind of favor 3D. It depends, uh, not universally so, but oh, it just not. it just okay. depends. Um, <clears throat> so I guess there's two different things here. There's a question of 3D or no 3D. There's also a question of IMAX versus regular. And, of course, the IMAX screens are those big, giant movie screens that are, you know, almost so as tall as they are as wide. They're bigger? Are they in proportion? Like aspect It's a different ratio? aspect ratio. Oh, it is. Yeah. So it's a taller screen huh. than the standard one, and it's almost as wide. You know, some movies recently are even have uh, scenes in the movie that are actually shot with native IMAX cameras, they actually have that full frame taken in into the movie. For certain scenes, usually, usually it's not the entire film. Usually they'll switch. So they'll actually the, switch in the middle of the movie. What is the benefit of deviating from the standard 16 by 9 mm-hmm. that we've all come accustomed <clears throat> to for so long? Uh, well, most movies in theaters are even wider than 16 by 9. Don't, don't go there. They, they actually <laughs> don't are. confuse it even more. They really are. Uh, but in terms of... Because 16 by 9 is 1.76 to 1. That's the norm, that's the aspect ratio. But a lot most theaters are either 1.85 to 1 or even 2.35 to 1. So it's, it gets even wider than that. Mm. Now, what's the benefit of IMAX? The, the IMAX screen is just a giant screen. It's, it's a more impactful kind of a, an experience. Um, if you recall, we went to see Pacific Rim in IMAX 3D, no mm-hmm. less. Um, that was my first 3D experience. Now that was with the shutter type of not. not is it shutter? Uh, no, in oh, theaters it's 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 a, it's a passive type oh, okay. of display. I wasn't impressed. You know my feelings on it. I, I did not like it. Right, right. But you seem to like it. <laughs> so as far as 3D or not goes, I mean, um, I, I actually have to kind of break down each movie before I, before I see it. I try to get the inside scoop on how was the movie filmed? Was it filmed with 3D cameras? Because it's possible to convert regular movies to 3D. And that process can be hit or miss. It was pretty bad when they first started doing it. It's gotten better. Um, so some movies now have been converted and actually look decent if it's done with care and you know with the right amount of supervision. Um, but 
in a lot of cases, I'll, I'll hit a site. There's actually a site called cinemablend.com and they actually talk about, they, they, they break it down. They have like a couple of different categories of criteria in terms of, is this movie good to see in 3d or not? Is it worthwhile? Is it worth the extra money? Is it, Hmm. or is it even just enjoyable to watch? You know, does it have good foreground effects? Does it have good background effects? Um, is the, is the action in the movie suitable for 3d? Cause it doesn't apply to everything necessarily. Uh, so I, I try to see what they have to say about it. And I, I try to get some, some, you know, feedback before I see the movie in 3d or not. So yeah, that's, that's one aspect. And then, like we said, the additional question of IMAX, whether it's worth seeing a movie on an IMAX screen or not. And again, some movies have native IMAX scenes in them, and those can be, you know, greater impact. But if you see it in a normal theater, it's just going to be framed slightly differently. You won't see a huge difference, but for some people, that IMAX experience is worth it. So I guess we don't have a conclusion as far as movies go, but no. we definitely uh, are aware of options. So that's that's yeah. good. So, uh, I guess visit us on Facebook as usual. Please leave us a comment as usual. Mm -hmm. And I guess join us next time as usual. Sure. See you next week. Bye.